Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Thank you, worship band. Church, how are you? Doing well? Woo, it's a good Sunday. It's a good Sunday. I'm excited to be here. It was cool to see that little video. Pastor Dave, Pastor Scott, and the gang. Um, Chase is there doing that cool video, so that's awesome. Really meaningful work, and so we're thinking and, and praying for that team, hoping they have a safe, a safe time doing some really meaningful stuff with our partner there in Eswatini. And Door of Hope, very cool that we're uh, bringing them on. Excited that we can partner with them as well. Uh, this is week two of our series, Dysfunctional. How are you feeling? Really? I wondered if you might say that. Feeling good? All right, this morning we're going to talk about dreams. Dreams. Uh, do you have any crazy dreams? Yeah, some more than others, yeah. Uh, meaningful dreams? You have meaningful dreams? When you were young, did you ever have like a reoccurring dream? A dream that you couldn't seem to shake, right? I had a couple. The first one, I was always, I, for some reason, two to three times a week, when I was a little kid, I would dream about fighting this snake in the Amazon rainforest. Really weird, really weird. Spiritual warfare is like a five-year-old kid. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but it was weird. Um, the next one, maybe you had this dream. Uh, I was running from something scary, and I don't really know what it was, but I, I found myself not being able to run. Like, my, my legs were giving out, and I was, like, tripping and stumbling. And then I'd always wake up and be mad because I'm like, I can run fine. Like, why can't I run in a dream? You know? Dreams are crazy. Here's some interesting facts about dreams from Healthline. People over the age of 10 have at least four to six dreams every night. People forget 95 to 99% of their dreams. Nightmares usually begin between the ages of three and six and decrease after the age of 10. This one's really wild. Around 12% of people dream in black and white. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's you. Uh, longer dreams occur during the morning hours of sleep. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. In this series, as Pastor Dave kicked it off last week, we're talking about Joseph, and he is the dreamer. And um, this morning is all about dreams. God's people have always been dreamers. Uh, as long as God has been in relationship with humans, he has been giving them dreams. And we're not just talking about literal dreams when you're sleeping. That too, as we'll see in the life of Joseph. But, but as we talk about dreams this morning, we're talking about dreams in a much broader sense. Any kind of vision, any kind of hope that you have, any kind of gut feeling or, or idea that you can't seem to shake. Something about the future, something you're longing and hoping for. Maybe the dream has something to do with relationships. Some kind of dream for your family, for your career, right, for your job. Maybe the dream has something to do with who you want to become as a person. I want to be a person of character, of, of grace, hard worker, someone who follows after God's heart, right? Maybe that's your dream. Maybe you have a dream of solving injustices or, or some societal problem. I don't know what your dream is, church, but here's what I'm convinced of, is that God has given us all dreams. You have a dream on your heart this morning, whether it's one dream Maybe something kind of small, or maybe you have multiple dreams, some big dreams. You have a dream. 
And, and hear me on this, the odds are high that, that your dream, at least part of it, is from the Spirit of God. Now, if it's not healthy, if it's not loving, right, it's probably not. It's probably not. I think we always need to compare our dreams, our hope for the futures, our visions for what life could be. We always have to compare those things to Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Always compare our dreams, our hopes, our visions uh, with that. But also the fruits of the Spirit. What kind of fruit is going to come from this dream, this hope, this vision for my life? But if it lines up with those things, there's a high percentage it's from the Spirit of God. Why? Because God has given us different passions and, and talents and gifts for the kingdom. He's given us dreams for a reason. He's given us an imagination to see what maybe couldn't be seen originally. And church, imagine if we didn't have dreams. Just imagine, what would we do? What would we just take care of the thing right in front of us? Walk around? Life would be boring, right? It, w- it would. Dreams are something we can look at, a marker, a road map to see ahead and keep us on track, to keep our imagination alive. Just like in the business world, you maybe you've heard this phrase, it's from Stephen Covey from a famous book he wrote, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's how you begin with the end in mind. And in the language of the New Testament, dreams are a way that God guides us into our calling as Jesus followers as we look more and more like him, to use our our passions and talents for the kingdom. Now, here's the catch with dreams, all right? There is always a gap between the dreams that we have and the fulfillment of those dreams. The future kind of reality, there's a gap between the dreams and that. And as we'll look at the life of Joseph, I think we'll see some really helpful insight into how to live as the people of God in that gap, in that journey. And what we'll see from Joseph's story is that it's anything but a straight line. There's ups and downs. Uh, Maybe we'll end up in places we never imagined, just like Joseph. And in the gap, the journey, there's all kinds of dysfunction. All kinds of relational breaks, betrayal, all kinds of pits. But God is faithful every step of the way. That's what we'll see with Joseph's story. So we'll be in Genesis 37, 12 through 28 this morning. Um, It'll be up on the screen there. You can flip there. And uh, just a little quick context before we jump into the text. Pastor Dave kicked it off uh, last week. He talked about Jacob, the father of Joseph, and uh, he had a lot of sons. Not as many sons as Abraham, but okay. That's good. Moving on. Um, He... (laughs) Pastor Dave kicked that off talking about Jacob and the sons and the different tribes and all those kind of things. And we get to Joseph. And Joseph is a dreamer, as we've been saying. And he has two dreams. The first is about these kind of grain, wheat, sheaves, these stacks. And the brothers are there and, and his, his, his grain, Joseph's grain stack, and the other ones bow down to his grain stack. And of course, what does he do? He tells his brothers about this dream. Hey, I had this awesome dream. You guys were bowing down to me. As Pastor Dave talked about, it's probably not the wisest thing to do. Um, so he tells him that one. And then he has another dream. And this, this dream is even bigger. It's about the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and, and they all bow down to Joseph. And what does he do? He tells his family, I had this crazy dream. Sun, moon, stars, you guys bowing down to me. And they're all mad. Everyone's mad. Even Jacob. And, and Joseph's Jacob's favorite, but he's still mad about this. He'll get over it, but the brothers do not. They're fuming. They're angry. 
Joseph, and that's where we are, Genesis 37, 12 through 28. There's a lot of dysfunction, a lot of dysfunction. All right, it's a little bit long, so hang with me here, um, but so, so good and so needed for where we're going here this morning. Here we go, Genesis, um, excuse me, 37, 12 through 28. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asking him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we will see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. We like Reuben in the story. He's a good guy. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now, um. I'm not going to keep going there, but, but what happens is they end up kind of faking his death. They, they kill an animal and dip the robe in blood and give it back to Jacob. And Jacob is crushed. He, he mourns over the loss of his son. Um, and then he ends up, as, as the text kind of said, he, he goes to Egypt and he's sold as a slave. And he'll end up in, in Potiphar's house, who's the king of the guard for Pharaoh and Potiphar's wife. And that's kind of a crazy story. We'll be talking about that next week on Promotion Sunday. So you'll be here. You'll want to be here for that. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Verse 19, here comes that dreamer. Here he comes. How do we as the people of God live in the gap between dreams and the fulfillment of those dreams or the future reality in the dysfunction? The first thing we need is, number one, active trust. Active trust. Can it be hard to trust God with our dreams? Trust him with our future. Trust him with our relationships. At times it can it can. Think about Joseph's story. He has a dream of being raised up, multiple dreams about being raised up and what happens right away in his story. He's thrown down. And not only in a, in an, a cistern, right, an empty water cistern, a pit, but also the text says it's a pit in the wilderness. And every time you see the word wilderness in, in the Bible, you should have a little alarm in your brain. Wilderness, right? Wilderness is this place of, of of difficulty, of straining, of stretching, of refining. It's a difficult place. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness. Moses in the wilderness. Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And now we have Joseph here in a pit in the wilderness. 
So he's in a tough spot. How can I, how can we keep trusting God in the pit, in the ups and downs, in the betrayals? Brennan Manning, who is an awesome Christian author, he has this book called Ruthless Trust that I want every single one of you to go get after this sermon, okay? If you don't get it, it's okay, but it will change your life. Um, I read it like in two days when I was prepping for this sermon because it's so good. Ruthless trust, this is what he says. The way of trust is a movement into obscurity, into the undefined, into ambiguity, not into some predetermined, clearly delineated plan for the future. The next step discloses itself only out of the discernment of God acting in the desert or wilderness of the present moment. The reality of naked trust is the life of a pilgrim who leaves what is nailed down obvious and secure and walks into the unknown without any rational explanation to justify the decision or guarantee the future. Why? Why would this person leave the unknown? Because God has signaled the movement and offered it his presence and promise. Active trust is leaving the boat because Jesus is, is, is waiting on the water with his outstretched arms, right? Think Matthew 14, that story where Peter walks on water with Jesus. Jesus is waiting. Trusting is the opposite of having everything figured out. And as humans, we like to have everything figured out, don't we? It's like, all right, give me the list. One, two, three, four, five, six, you know, and it goes on, right? Give me the schedule. I need to know the exact timing. That's not how trust works. Trust is moving towards Jesus, even with unknowns. There's a story of John Cavanaugh, the brilliant ethicist, going to work with the House of the Dying for three months in Calcutta. He was seeking a clear answer as to how to best spend the rest of his life. On the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She asked him, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she asked. He voiced the request that had been born thousands of miles from the United States. Pray that I have clarity. She said firmly, no, I will not do that. When he asked her why, she said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to, and you must let it go. Kavanaugh was kind of taken back, and he commented that she always seems to have the clarity that he longed for. She laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. I love that. Church, do you trust God? With your family, with your career, even with your problems and pain? We talk about clarity sometimes in the church, don't we? What are you praying for? Praying for clarity? Praying for clarity, right? You ever heard that? That's okay. I think that's okay at times. But what if we prayed for trust? What if we prayed for moving out towards Jesus even though we have some unknowns? God is trustworthy, and not because life is perfect. John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus clearly says you will have trouble. Life will have all kinds of dysfunction. There will be pain and problems, but you can find peace in me. Why? Because I'm with you. And because I have overcome the world, Jesus promises his presence, and in some beautiful and mysterious way, that is enough. Brandon Manning, again, in Ruthless Trust, says this, Jesus assures us of two things, presence and promise. It's not tautologous, the promise of his presence. I'll be with you every day until your life runs out in the presence of his promise, Christ in you now and your hope for glory down the road. Jesus never guaranteed that we would be spared suffering or victimization by evil doing. In fact, he said flatly, in this world you will have trouble. 
What he promised was that during our desolate hours, there would be one set of footprints because he would be carrying us. Jesus is with us every step of the way. He's with Joseph every step of the way. Church, we can trust God because he's trustworthy. Not because life is perfect, but because he's present and because he's for us. Moving out onto the water towards Jesus. Active trust. All right, number two. How do we live in the gap between dreams and the future reality? We need forgiveness. Forgiveness. Scripture reminds us over and over to forgive. Genesis 37, 19 and 20. Here comes that dreamer they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. It's kind of dark. It's like, come on, brothers, man. Joseph is betrayed. He's thrown into a pit and then sold as a slave. And what we'll see throughout these weeks of, in this series is you will see some ups and some downs and some crazy things in Joseph's life. But what we'll get to and, and, and what we're talking about here is that Joseph ends up forgiving his brothers. He forgives them. Genesis 50, 15 through 21. When Joseph, Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And this is the famous verse 20. Maybe you've heard this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph forgives. He takes care of his Brothers, after all the craziness, after all the betrayal, Joseph chooses forgiveness. In our journeys, church, we have to forgive over and over. So let me ask you this. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Right? Who is it? And I think at times we need healthy distance from very difficult things that happen, right? You have to discern those things. But also we need to forgive. We need to be a people of forgiveness. And a lot of times, I think sometimes we, we're like, as human beings, we're like, man, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to hold the grudge, right? I'm going to get them and, and not forgive them, right? Maybe that's just me. I don't know, right? That's what Dave always says. I just did a little, that's what Dave thing. That's weird. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, oh, I'm going to get them. I'm not going to forgive them, right? But what we don't realize in that situation is that there's this resentment and bitterness that we have that's actually poisoning our soul. It's poisoning our journey. That's why Jesus clearly says, forgive, forgive, forgive. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, uh, a man comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And this person's like trying to say seven's a lie, right? Seven times, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, not seven times. 70 times, seven times, right? And for you math people, it's like, oh, 490, okay. No, no, no. It's not like that. Jesus is saying, keep forgiving. Keep being a person of forgiveness. Betrayal happens. Heartbreak happens. Unfair things happen. Forgive and keep going towards the dream that God has given you. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Forgive. Forgive. Number three, in the gap, keep your eyes fixed on the king. Back to Joseph's story. 
Jumping back a little bit, Genesis 42, Joseph's brothers come back to him, and this is the initial time that they meet Joseph years later. And Joseph recognizes them. They're in need of grain because there's a famine in the land, and, and they show up. And there's this really cool little verse, uh, verse 8 of uh, chapter 42. Joseph recognizes them, and then it says, Joseph remembered his dreams. He remembered them. Years had gone by. All kinds of things had happened, and Joseph remembered his dreams. And then he says this to his brothers. I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The dream is fulfilled. Many years later, after all kinds of betrayals and pain, but Joseph ends up bringing life to his brothers because God allowed it. The journey, the gap for Joseph is much longer and harder and more difficult than he ever could have imagined as a little boy having those dreams with that cool coat on. But God used them in a mighty way. And he uses us in a mighty way too. In the gap between Dreams in the future reality, church, we have to keep our eyes fixed on the king. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the only one worthy of our trust and our constant attention and our praise. It's only him. And sometimes if we're not careful, we give that kind of notice and, and, and keep our eyes fixed on all kinds of things that we shouldn't be doing. Just like, our, uh, just like Joseph's journey doesn't mean it's going to be easy or perfect, no. But we have to keep our eyes fixed on the king. And when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, sometimes our dreams will change. They'll morph. Things will melt away that maybe needed to be melted away because Jesus is at the forefront of our mind constantly. And if we're not careful, sometimes dreams can become little gods in themselves and we worship dreams instead of we, uh, us worshiping the dream maker, right? We always have to keep our eyes fixed on the king, the one who gave us dreams to begin with. Fix your eyes on the king. I love baseball. How do you feel about baseball? It's a fun sport. Some people, like my wife, say baseball's boring. Mm. I'm just, every time I'm just crushed. I know. Um, and you know who you are. You would say that. Come on. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. I love baseball. It's a great sport. And I, I played baseball ever since I was a little kid and uh, was fortunate enough to play all the way through college and really loved the game. And now I coach baseball. I coach at Village Christian, and it's a lot of fun. Woo, yeah, Village. Yeah, we've got some Village people. I used to coach at CV, CV people, yeah. Um, but what's interesting about baseball, right, you, you start out when T-ball. You guys know T-ball? The, the ball is on the T. It's not moving. And when you're learning how to hit, usually players or, or, excuse me, parents or coaches will say what to you when you're learning how to hit. Keep your eye on the ball. Come on, that's good. The service is a little better than the last service. I love the last service, though, but they just... You know. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. So when you're at T-ball, right, when, when the little kids are learning how to play, keep your eye on the ball. Hit the ball off the tee. And if you, if you guys are ever struggling, right, you're, you're lacking joy, uh, just go to a T-ball game. All right, just find some t-ball game and watch. It's hilarious, right? The kid hits it and he's running the wrong way, going to third base, and parents are like chasing kids. It's hilarious, right? 
Um, parents with t-ball players know they know, right? So you have t-ball, and then, then you kind of move up, and then it's coach pitch, and the coach pitches to the kids, just kind of tosses it in there. Then you move up again, and then it's kids pitch, right? Kids are throwing to kids. I talk to Austin a little bit about this because he has Micah. He's a good little pitcher, right? Kids pitch. And then slowly, kids are throwing harder, and the game changes a little bit in middle school. And then you get to high school, and the game speeds up. And you need to know a little bit more, and, and pitchers are throwing a little bit harder, right? And, and then you get to varsity on, uh, in, in high school baseball, and again, the game jumps. The game jumps. Um, I would say the average, like, fastball in, in high school baseball is, like, somewhere between 75 and 85, right? So it's, it's probably a little slower than that for sometimes, and a little faster than that, definitely sometimes as well, but 75 to 85, um, and then you, it, 7% of high school baseball players end up playing in college, so it's a really low percentage. But if you're fortunate enough to make that jump, the game changes again. It gets faster. You need to know more. Things are happening quick. And then after college, I mean, excuse me, yeah, 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 after college, then you can go to the pros. Like, we watch the Dodgers, right? And they're doing pretty well. I'm happy for you guys. I'm not going to say anything else besides that, all right? <laughs> But those, those players, like when we watch the Dodgers, the, those guys are incredible athletes. They're like insane. Like if we could all just stand in the box and see like a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, we would be like, wow, <laughs> these guys are amazing. And they are. They are. And the pro game, the pro game is so fast, and guys are so knowledgeable, and their, their IQ is, uh, for baseball is so high, right? Here's the crazy thing about moving up in the stages of baseball in the games, though. You know what never changes? That little foundational piece that you learn in t-ball. Keep your eye on the ball. It doesn't ever change. Whether you're hitting the ball off a tee or you're trying to hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, it never changes. Keep your eye on the ball. And I think this can be a helpful analogy for us as Jesus followers. Keep your eyes fixed on the king. You'll get older. The game of life will change. It will. Things will get faster and busier, but keep your eyes fixed on the king, right? We have kids, I think this is crazy, we have kids right now at Children's Ministry, Pastor Candace is down there and some awesome volunteers, hanging out with those little kids. It's the t-ball of church. Keep your eyes fixed, we're teaching the kids down there, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, right? And then student ministries, John and, and, and myself, right, we're trying to teach high schoolers the same thing, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And then here we are, church, in big church, this is big church, right? <laughs> big church. And we're trying to remind ourselves of the exact same thing. Keep your eyes fixed on the king, Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. And so I don't know where you are in your life, but maybe you need to hear that this morning. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I don't know what's been catching your eye, all kinds of things in life, but keep your eyes fixed on the king. All right, in conclusion, it's 11, oh my goodness. Uh, just a few final thoughts here. Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Just a few final thoughts here as we, as we land this plane. Some of you this morning need to be reminded to dream. God wants you to dream big. Dream about what could be for your life and your family. Have a God-sized imagination and keep dreaming for a better tomorrow. Don't be satisfied for the mundane. Don't be satisfied just for what's easy with your life, with your job, with your family, with your walk with Jesus. Don't settle. Jesus is out on the waters waiting, calling us out to him, reaching out his hands. 
The boat in the shallow water is not where dreams come alive. God wants more for his people, so dream big. The last, uh, second little thing here in closing here is, is we have to hold our dreams with open hands. All right, this is what we saw in the life of Joseph. Things changed. Stuff moves. Jesus doesn't offer us a perfect life. He doesn't. He offers us his presence and the future redemption of all things, and we look forward to that. And we live in the gap. We live in the gap. But dreams can change. And sometimes dreams need to, some dreams need to die for new dreams to come alive, right? Young people, where are you at? <laughs> Young people, dream big. You have one life. Follow Jesus and dream big. I want you to imagine, like, uh, scholars think the disciples were pretty young. Sometimes I think the way we portray the disciples, it's, it's not accurate to what scholars think the age of the disciples were. They're actually pretty young. And uh, I want you just to imagine for a moment, imagine if Peter didn't accept Christ's call to him. Just imagine. Calls out to Peter. Peter's like, ah, I like my fishing business. Imagine if Matthew, he, he didn't accept Christ's call. Jesus sees him in the tax collector booth and, and, and calls him to more. Matthew's like, nah, I'm good. I got a lot of money. I got a cool house. What? No. Imagine if James and John, the sons of Zebedee, what if they didn't accept the call? What if? But they wanted more. They dreamed big. And they accepted Christ's call. And look what they found, church. A journey of about three years with the Prince of Peace that that changed the history of humanity forever. Follow Jesus and dream big. And he is inviting all of us, every single one of us, to accept his call to follow him. The invitation is there. It's your choice, right? But let's dream big and follow Jesus. Amen? All right, let's stand up here and I'll pray for us and then we'll respond in worship. Gracious God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the chance to be together. Thank you for this, uh, this message, God, and the story of Joseph, the dreamer. God, would you just speak to our hearts today? Maybe we're lacking some trust. Can we pray for trust this morning, Lord Jesus? May we trust you with all we have. Through the ups and the downs, through the pain, the betrayal, whatever life throws at us, can we trust you? Because you are trustworthy. You are. And God, maybe some of us here need to forgive some people. Joseph's, Joseph's dreams maybe never would have been fulfilled if he didn't forgive his brothers. So can we be a people of forgiveness constantly and continually? And God, finally, can we keep our eyes fixed on you? Just like we're playing baseball. Through all of life, can we keep our eyes fixed on the king of the universe who loves us so, so much? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this time. Be with us as you send us from this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.